sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Oh, yeah, it's that time. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers, Sirius XM, Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, you guys know what we're going to do. <laughs> sports, sports betting, but not just any sports. This show is a college football-focused show. And why am I talking about college football in June? Real simple. <laughs> the early bird gets the worm. If you're doing your college football work now, you're going to get bets that are available now that will not be available when August rolls around. Whether it's week one numbers, whether it's games of the year numbers, whether it's odds to win conferences, odds to win divisions, particularly when it comes to win totals, these numbers can and will move. And if you're betting them in June and you're betting sharp sides, you're likely to be getting very much the best of the number. So, I mean, look, I've had some real strong betters on this show in recent weeks. We had Steve Fezzik, who is, you know, I consider, if not the best better in the world, he's one of them. Uh, talking NFL week one, we had him on two weeks ago. Last week, I had on Brad Powers, who, brilliant in college football. And we talked about what he told us last year and how good the predictions he made on the summer show last year were. And he gave us a bunch of picks for this year as well. Well, we got another one today in Paul Stone. I mean, Paul Stone's been betting college football at a professional level since I've been in Vegas. All right. I moved out here in 98. He was a member of the Tuesday group back in the day. And he's someone who doesn't worry about 15 sports. He's not trying to handicap tennis matchups. He's not trying to handicap, you know, uh, Major League Soccer. He's not worried about baseball. The guys that are focusing on a handful of sports, one sport at a time, tend to get real good if they're doing this for a long time. And Paul Stone is that kind of a capper. I'm really excited to bring him on. And believe you me, I write down what he says. They're opinions that matter. And in writing down what he says, this is what Paul Stone told us last year. All right. He gave us five bet on teams and five bet against teams. Last year, on this very show, it was a little bit later. It was, I think it was the beginning of August. The five bet on teams that he gave us. South Carolina, they finished 7-5 against the spread. Louisville, 7-5 ATS. Minnesota, 7-5 ATS. Kansas State, 9-3-1 ATS. He said Arizona was a value team. They finished 6-6 six six against the spread. You add it all up, 36 winners, 24 losers. If you just bet those five teams in every regular season game, you cashed at a 60% clip and finished up more than 10 units. And when we look at those teams, South Carolina, no one was talking about South Carolina going into the season last year. They were an afterthought. The SEC had a whole bunch of hype teams. South Carolina wasn't one of them. They finished third in the SEC East. <laughs> you know, they were a good team. Paul saw it early. Louisville a team that's getting a fair bit of hype right now. Again, last year coming in off a dismal campaign. You had a head coach on the hot seat. You had all the issues in Louisville. What happened? Again, better than expected results, better than expected ACS. 
Kansas State was a surprise team everyone was talking about last year. Paul Stone had them here. <laughs> so, again, 36-24 and 24 with the five bet on teams, 60% against the spread. What about his bet against teams? Well, again, he gave us five teams. Texas Tech, he was a little bit wrong about. That's the one. Of the 10 teams he gave us, Texas Tech, you know, Texas Tech ended up being pretty good. But they ended up becoming overvalued at the end of the season. They only finished 7-5 and five ATS. If you faded them in every game, you didn't get killed. The other four teams, Arizona State, 5-7 and seven against the spread. Purdue, 5-8 and eight against the spread. Auburn, as a bet against team, 5-7 and seven against the spread. And, of course, he gave us the single worst team in college football from a, from a points rate perspective last year. That was the Miami-Florida Hurricanes. They finished 2-10 and 10 against the spread. So, again, you add them all up. You bet them every game, bet against these teams every game. You went 37-24. and 24. That's 60.6% against the spread. So the bet odds hit 60% blindly, betting them all year. The bet against hit better than 60% blindly, betting them all year. That's 10 different teams we're talking about. When you add them all up, you're better than 60%. And again, it's more than 120 bets, and you're hitting better than 60%. That's worth paying attention to. That's worth having that guy back again. (laughs) So I'm excited to hear which team Paul Stone is going to talk about as bet on and bet against teams this year. It should be a very entertaining discussion. I do want to talk a little bit, very briefly, about the developments that's come out here with the Indianapolis Colts suspended player, Isaiah Rogers. The one guy who has been recently suspended after all the other guys got suspended. You know, and this one feels to me, (laughs) you know, the Jameson Williams story for Detroit is standing out now because the info's come out with what Williamson did. He made a bet in a state where it was legal to bet, on a road trip, I think from the hotel. And that's how he lost a six, that's how he got a six game suspension. So the NFL's taking this stuff real seriously. You can't do anything on NFL property, all right? On NFL facilities, you can't do it in the hotel room when you're on an NFL road trip, et cetera, et cetera. But scandal-wise, there's just not that much there when it comes to these early sports betting scandals in the NFL. All right, Paul Stone coming up next. Coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I want to talk about luck right now. Right now. When I moved out to Las Vegas... I was extraordinarily lucky. And, of course, some of it, you create your own luck, (laughs) admittedly. But fairly early on, I was able to fall into a large group. It was called the Tuesday Group. And it was a bunch of guys, mostly older than me at the time, who went through every single game on the board every week in, like, a group discussion and talked about everything we knew about these teams. And it was really, there were some fascinating discussions. There were some guys who you didn't want to listen to a whole lot. And you wish they'd shut up. But there were a good handful of guys in that group where when they talked, you listened. 
Paul Stone was one of those guys who used to come to the Tuesday group in its inception, and I'm excited to bring him on today's show. I, I don't know if a legend. You know, the legend gets thrown around only for guys because you've lived long enough <laughs> in this business to do it. It gets thrown around to me sometimes. But I consider Paul Stone an absolute legend in the college football space. Paul, welcome to the program today. Well, thank you, uh, Teddy, for that rousing uh, introduction. And I've, I've certainly uh, been fortunate to have known, known you for uh, a number of years as well. And just always exciting this time of year. You know, we're getting close to mid-June and just, uh, you know, less than three months away from the kickoff of another college football season. So this is, uh, this is our time of year, so to speak. Exactly. And that's what I've been, I've been I've preaching. Like, why are we talking about this in June? Why are we making bets in June? Why are we doing this work in June? Because you're trying to get ahead of the markets. You're trying to get bets down now that aren't going to be available two months from now. They're not going to be anything close to them available. You know, the betting markets, they throw out a whole bunch of numbers to open. And then they wait till people bet into them and tell them how good their numbers are. Paul's one of the guys who's going to bet into them at this time of the year. And here we are again. We'll call it late spring, early summer. What have you been doing for the last two months, three months? I don't know how long you've been working college football. What have you been doing that the average capper hasn't done yet when it comes to college football? Yeah, I'll say, first of all, Teddy, you know, I consume something, you know, some piece of college football information pretty much 365 days a year. So, you know, we had the national championship game between Georgia and uh, TCU back on January 10th, I believe. I made my first bet relating to the 2023 season on February 26th. So, you know, again, my point being that my preparation never stops. My preparation for the upcoming season, you you know, started uh, several months ago, pretty much when the 2022 season officially ended. And, uh, you know, the 2022 season was in the books, and then all my attention uh, fully shifts to the 2023 season. And as you mentioned, you know, with legalized sports betting now available in more than 30 states and with some fairly aggressive operators out there, a person like myself, we know that games of the year and week one lines, they're going to pop up somewhere very early in the year. Uh, And this year those lines again became available in late February. So, you know, I guess the primary difference in my preparation and maybe somebody else's, uh, I would say is probably just my consistency, the depth of my study into the teams. Certainly I spend a lot of time uh, examining the transfer portal. You can't record all of those uh, changes, but you certainly uh, record the major ones and even the ones uh, in cases of players that you think will either start or contribute. So I just try to, you know, my, my approach is just to try to, master the basics, and I'm a fundamental handicapper. I'm trying to establish a power ranking. I'm hoping that power ranking is better than the houses. And as you indicated, I like to bet first. I like to bet early. I like to try to get the best number. Sure, and that's something you do. You know, you, you would fly out to Vegas. You know, you're from Texas. You fly out to Vegas and be in line <laughs> at the Circa on a Sunday when the numbers popped uh, because that's how important it was for you to bet early. You're someone that gets that prep done. Now, I'm confident, I say this with confidence, and I'm not disrespecting anyone out there who's listening, but I'm confident that 99.9% of our listening audience hasn't done much college football work yet. If you were going to give them advice today, where do you start today to handicap college football? What would you tell them? Where would you tell them to start? What can they do to get themselves ready for this season? <laughs> 
you know, I'd probably get a couple of the, uh, the, you know, the magazines that are already out there on the marketplace and uh, start reviewing those. And, um, you know, you, you pretty much just kind of a template, a basic approach. You know, you look at the last maybe couple of years, certainly with an emphasis on last year, look at how many points against FBS competition that each team averaged offensively, how many points they gave up defensively, examine their returning personnel, try to determine if they're going to be better on offense, worse on offense, the same on defense, and try to kind of come up with a uh, estimation of whether they're going to be, you know, a few points better, a few points worse, a lot of points better, a lot of points worse, the same, whatever the case might be, and try to just determine where that team is in relation to where they left off at the end of the 2022 season. Yeah, it's all about making numbers. And when you make numbers, again, there's, what, 133 Division One teams this year. When you make numbers, a handful of them are going to be wrong. doesn't matter if you're you, me, Paul, anybody. All right? Not every number is going to be perfect, uh, especially heading into week one. But if you make one team, if you're wrong on one team or two teams or five teams, you do the work now, you're still going to be right on 20 or 30 or 50. <laughs> you know? So it's okay not to be perfect with every opinion to get a team or two or three wrong. When you do the work, you're going to get more, you should get more right than wrong. And I want to make you look smart right here, Paul. This is my chance to make, look, you're going to look smart anyway. Uh, but give me an example or two of a bet that you were able to make already that nobody else in the world's going to get. <laughs> you got one. I'll, I'll bet you probably have a laundry list of them. Well, you know, now again, we have more than 30 states with legalized sports betting, and I live in Texas outside of the football season. As you indicated, during the football season, I'm in uh, Nevada quite often, and uh, certainly there each Sunday when Circa debuts their weekly uh, college football lines first in the world, typically around 11 a.m. Pacific. I'm there. And that's where typically I get my best numbers, where I'm holding those tickets where I might have a team at a number that nobody else in the world, frankly, is going to get. You know, in this situation, with numbers just kind of popping up in the night, if you will, at various operators, and me being in a state, Texas, that doesn't yet have legalized sports gambling, uh, no matter how well-connected you are, no matter how many associations you have, you know, you're going to uh, – you know, be late to the party sometimes. I do have Texas minus four and a half against Oklahoma in a game of the year. It's now six and a half and seven in some places. I also have Utah plus seven over Southern Cal uh, now just getting six and a half. So not any dramatic value on any of the tickets I have. Those in my case will come later, you know, hopefully on those Sunday mornings at Circa once the season starts. Sure. And that's really important to note when you talk about the betting, you know, a, a big difference between, uh, people that don't understand betting and people that do. They say, someone says, the line is, <laughs> you know, versus, uh, and that was uh, at the Tuesday group, we always did that, you know, I got blank at blank, you know, I got Arkansas State plus 35 at Caesars or, you know, whatever it would be. Uh, and we're all like, wow, that's a good number. That's how you win. <laughs> you know, it's getting good numbers. And you're, it doesn't, automatically mean you're going to win, but you're taking a 50-50 wager and you're making it 52-48. You're making it 55-45. 
And if you have an edge and it's not a 50-50 wager, if it's a 60-40 wager, and now you're getting the edge, uh, the best of the number with something like that, you're really putting yourself into positive expectation situations that primarily what Paul looking to do, uh, Paul is looking to do at this stage of the campaign. When we come back, we're going to talk spring football games, what we can learn, what we can't learn. We're going to talk off-season coaching and coordinator hires. And, yeah, you better believe it. I'm going to ask Paul, bet on, bet against. No pressure. You just hit 60% on both last year, start to finish for the season. Cover it continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers. Sirius XM, channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. And we're having fun today talking college football. College football in June. You better believe we're talking college football in June because there's good bets to be made now and there's good information to be shared now that will help us. Not just week one. This is stuff you can use all season long. Again, I'm going to pick Paul's brain. He's going to give us bet-ons and bet-against before this show is through. And last year, his bet-on, 60% full season, counting every game from week one to the finale. His bet-against teams, if you bet against them every game, 60.6% ATS. Betting on them every game, or betting against them every game from week one to the finale. So this isn't just week one info. This is info that's going to help us all season long. Paul, when it comes to spring football games, they're the only thing in the spring that gets hype. Do you watch them? Do you pay attention to them? Is there anything that we can learn from spring football or not so much? And if so, tell me something you learned from spring football this year. <laughs> you know, I, I, my take might be a little bit unpopular, uh, Teddy. You know, first of all, and I don't, I don't fault the leadership for this, but I think now more than ever the game's leadership is trying to promote itself, you know, as being more and more uh, about player health and safety, uh, if you will. And the spring games are becoming, with each passing year, less and less like real football. I mean, you can't, you can't blitz the quarterback. You certainly can't tackle the quarterback. You know, heck, you can't even touch the quarterback. You know, if you get within a few, uh, few feet of the quarterback, the play's over, they blow the whistle, you know, it's ruled a sack or whatever. So if I, handy, you know, if I handicap football and they're not really playing football, you know, why would I give it much weight? So that's kind of my approach. I know certainly some people would vehemently disagree with that take. Certainly during the spring, I pay attention to injuries uh, sustained during spring practice or the spring game. Uh, I try to read as much content as I can as coaches are talking about players, you know, ready to take that next step in their development. Uh, I certainly, during the game, the one thing that I do examine is a quarterback's arm strength. You know, I want to see how quickly – and on what type of uh, trajectory does he deliver that cross-field out route? You know, but still, I think what it comes down to is a good quarterback is all about how you respond under duress. And since they don't allow quarterbacks to be under duress in spring games, <laughs> you know, that examination is unavailable. So I think at uh, the time I, I watched, you know, a little bit of the spring games, but not as much as some people uh, have claimed to watch. And, and I think it's uh, – you know, poor utilization is my limited of my limited time as a handicapper. 
So I don't I don't look at them that close. I look at the injuries and that sort of thing. And this is important to note. You're one guy. You do all your own work. You don't farm stuff out. I'm the same way. So it is oftentimes a battle of, and I, I, the reason I don't farm stuff out is I don't try. While I love you, Paul, I don't trust anybody, you know, <laughs> with my with my bankroll or for my clients. And it's the same way for you know for any of the guests I have. I mean, well, I shouldn't say I love you. I like you, Paul. Uh, but uh, there's a it's, it's it's one of those scenarios where I like it to do it my way. And it's something you develop over a course of many, many years. And when you do it your way, you don't have to worry about someone else messing with that. Now, when it comes to spring games, just real quick, do you pay any attention when a team's installing a new offense or a team's installing a new defense or there's a new coaching staff? Do you worry at all if it doesn't work in the spring game? Does that going to affect your opinions going into fall? Maybe a little bit. I mean, you know, if a offense is not a new offense if it's not working for instance in the spring game again where they can't put pressure on the quarterback then what's it going to look like you know once they play real games in the fall but sometimes you know we can just really be fooled you know you hear the offense is way ahead of the defense or vice versa and, and you think it's going to be a low scoring game or a high scoring game you know early in the year and it's just kind of the opposite so I just, you know, I kind of take it with a, a grain in, a grain of salt. So, again, I don't put a great deal of stock in spring football. I used to be a sports writer. I used to cover college football for, for many years as a, as a younger man, and I've covered a lot of spring practices, a lot of spring games, and heard a lot of coaches talk about it. And it's kind of a, uh, you know, they want players to develop and so forth and, and see guys who are ready to step up and take a – larger position within the, the depth chart and that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, again, I just don't – it's less and less like real football, so I don't put too much stock into it. And, of course, when you're uh, dealing with coaches, as a reporter in spring, everything's coming up roses. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to be great this year. Don't sweat it. I'm not worried about any of this stuff. Uh, I'm sure you got a lot of that. Let's start talking about some teams and some coaches. Uh, and I want to start with the coaching angle. Anyone stand out to you? Again, offseason, there's a whole bunch of new coaching, uh, new head coaches, and a whole bunch of new coordinators, both offensive and defenses. Anyone stand out to you? Good? Bad? Uh, you can go, you can give me an OC, a DC, a, a head coach. You can go any program you want. Talk to me about some of the coaching hires that you think were good and some that maybe not so much. Yeah, I'll tell you, Teddy, first of all, I'll say this. Coaching hires are very extremely or extremely difficult rather to immediately judge. I mean a lot of people, you know, probably felt Scott Frost was going to be successful at Nebraska after what he accomplished at Central Florida. And I think uh, on the other hand, back in 1999, I can remember Oklahoma hired a young defensive coordinator from the University of Florida <laughs> named who's Bob Stoops and everybody <laughs> said, you know, who's that? You know, why are they yep. hiring this assistant? So you just never know, you know, but I will say I'm certainly intrigued by a couple of head coaching hires on the positive Matt Rule at Nebraska and Tom Herman at Florida Atlantic. You know, they both had uh, success as head coaches in similar settings. One I have to question on the flip side is Coastal Carolina's decision to hire Tim Beck. Uh, he was uh, initially, I think, one of his first coordinator jobs. He was co-offensive coordinator at Ohio State, and the Buckeyes put up big numbers. But anybody 
could be offensive coordinator <laughs> at Ohio State, and the Buckeyes would put up big numbers. They would put big numbers if I was offensive coordinator. So uh, he later became offensive coordinator at Texas and most recently North Carolina State. Only so-so results. He's 56 years old. If I'm Coastal Carolina, I would have gone a different direction. And then a couple of offensive coordinator hires. I think the one that's going to be most closely watched is probably uh, Phil Longo at uh, Wisconsin. He is uh, Luke Fickle, the first-year head coach there at Wisconsin's offensive coordinator. Wisconsin, we all know through the years, has kind of been a uh, ground-and-pound, you know, three yards and cloud-of-dust type uh, offense. Longo is an air raid disciple previously coordinated high-scoring uh, offenses at both North Carolina and Ole Miss. This transition will take time in Madison, but it's going to be interesting to watch. And then 33-year-old uh, Garrett Riley, uh, the younger brother of USC head coach Lincoln Riley, uh, he's being asked to modernize, if you will, the offense there at Clemson. Clemson ranked 85th in scoring offense back in 2021 improved to 24th in scoring offense last year, so not up to really the caliber of standard you expect there. Their last quarterback who transferred to Oregon State, a five-star guy, D.J. Uyangale, he criticized Clemson's offense after transferring, called it very basic. So we'll see what Garrett Riley, uh, the 33-year-old wonderkind, can do at Clemson. Anyone on the defensive side of the football stand out to you? You know, I did. I haven't. Really, you know, I know there's a lot of uh, key defensive uh, coordinator hires, but I really it, it kind of goes to the fact that I handicapped college football. It's you know, it used to be defense wins championships. Uh, you, you know, and uh, offense sells tickets, defense wins championships. But now I think it's offensive. Offense sells tickets, offense wins championship. Yep. <laughs> you obviously have to play solid defense. You have to play at some level. But uh, I kind of focus on the offensive side. I think they're a little bit more. Uh, potentially capable of producing, you know, team-wide change perhaps than the defense coordinator hires, although those are certainly uh, important, not diminishing that side of the football, but I tend to focus on that offensive side. So we're going to pay attention to Phil Longo at Wisconsin, Garrett Riley at Clemson when it comes to new offensive coordinators. So we have a couple minutes for the break. Let's get into it. Start talking about some teams that you actually like or don't like. How about let's do one bet on team, and let's start in the ACC. Who stands out to you as potentially offering value coming into the season uh, from the ACC in 2023? You know, looking at a play-on team uh, in the ACC, I settled on Pittsburgh, uh, and that's primarily because of their their head coach, Pat Narduzzi. You know, he's got that blue-collar, you know, go-to-work-every-day Pittsburgh type uh, of mentality. And Pitt's not a team. You know, we're looking for a play-on team. You want to find a team that's undervalued, not thought of perhaps as highly as they should be. Pitt typically not mentioned among the ACC's elite teams, but you look at them the last five years, they're 30-20 and 20 straight up in ACC play. Narducci, 62-41 and 41 overall uh, in his eight seasons there at Pitt. They've quietly won his Pittsburgh a total of 20 games over the past two seasons. And their names change on defense, but they play sound defense basically year in and year out. Uh, they've lost some players for sure, both defensively uh, and offensively. They've got a new quarterback in Phil Jerkovic uh, who uh, comes over from B.C. He's had injury issues. If he stays healthy, I think Pitt will be a play-on team in 2023. 
And Jurgovic was a guy who we're talking about having NFL upside uh, last year at this time at Boston College. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out uh, injury-wise for him. But you look at that coastal division in the ACC, Virginia's going to be bad again. Virginia Tech's going to be bad again. I'm not convinced Miami's turning it around. Georgia Tech's been bad for a while. Duke's, you know, Duke's upside is last year's 9-4 record. They're not getting better than that. So there's room for Pitt to rise in the coastal. North Carolina, the only team on paper that's a whole lot better than the Panthers. Much more with Paul Stone coming up next. Cover it continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Don't miss anything from our programming. Follow us on Twitter, at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV to stay informed all day long. We got clips, breaking news, updates, and pretty much everything else at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. You can join 51,000 plus who uh, have, for some reason, are interested in my opinions. I don't know why. <laughs> but uh, Teddy underscore covers. And of course, Paul Stone has a nice following on Twitter as well. At Paul Stone Sports. That's one word, at Paul Stone Sports on Twitter. I encourage you to give him a follow as well. Paul, we were talking about bet on versus bet against. And you are some teams to pay attention to heading into the campaign. You talked about the Pitt Panthers as potentially being a bet on team out of the ACC. Does anyone stand out as a bet against team from this conference? Teddy, I'm going to look at Wake Forest. Uh, the Demon Deacons, first of all, they've won a total of 19 games uh, over the, the past uh, couple of years. They lose, however, as you know, their four-year starting quarterback, record-setting quarterback, Sam Hartman, who transferred to Notre Dame in the offseason. Hartman's uh, replacement, Mitch Griffiths, he's thrown all of 33 passes in the last three years there in Winston-Salem. 29 of those came in last year's season opener against BMI. So not of a lot, lot of experience uh, on Griffith's side, replacing a uh, top-notch quarterback like Hartman. And if Hartman's exit wasn't enough, Wake Forest got to rebuild its offensive line. Wake Forest last year averaged a little over 35 points a game. The year before, averaged 41 points a game. There's going to be some drop-off in offensive production this year at Wake Forest. I think it's going to be fairly significant. Bet against Wake Forest. And Wake Forest for the season, they finished 8-5. and five, But in conference, they went 3-5 and five last year. Uh, did outscore their opponents by a single point in conference play. But Wake, Paul Stone says they're not going to be as good as they were last year. And last year, they were pretty good, but they certainly weren't great. Let's talk. Where should we go next? Uh, how about the Big Ten? Give me a bet on team from the Big Ten, someone who's coming into the season that may be overlooked a little bit. You know, it's all relative, Teddy, but uh, you look at Nebraska, and we mentioned uh, Matt Rule, their first-year head coach. Nebraska, it is hard to fathom, but six straight losing seasons. During that period of time, the Cornhuskers 16 and 37 in Big Ten action. Hard to, hard to sink that in and uh, digest that. 
but now you enter uh, former Temple and Baylor head coach Matt Rule. Uh, spent two and a half years there at uh, Carolina and NFL before getting uh, fired uh, early last season. But now he's back in the college game uh, again where he resurrected programs uh, there at Temple and Baylor. To be clear, I'm not expecting the Cornhuskers to challenge for the Big Ten West this year. My take is relative to recent performance and current expectations. I think they're going to exceed those expectations. Rule will need time, but he's got a key component. He's got transfer quarterback Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech. Definitely needs some polish in the passing game, but he's a big guy. He's a true dual-threat guy, thrown for almost 4,500 yards over the past three seasons, run for another 1150. He's a good starting point. I think Nebraska will outperform expectations in 2023. And last year, Nebraska was a hype team, you know, at least a modestly hype team. And a lot of times I love to take the team that got hyped last year and didn't live up to expectations. You know, the talent base is there, you know, <laughs> they got hyped for a reason. Um, no argument here with the Huskers. Although I have to be honest, at least someone's come on this show. I think every, every year since I've done it, said this is the year for Nebraska. Uh, but certainly rule a coach who we trust at the collegiate level. What about a bet against out of the big 10? Anyone stand out to you? You know, as far as a play against team uh, in the Big Ten, we've talked about them a little bit already, and I'm going to talk about Wisconsin. You know, I want to make it clear as well that I'm a big Luke Fickle fan. I like the higher uh, midterm and long term, but they're making that shift, as we talked about, from a run-oriented team to the air raid. Certainly they're still going to run the football because that's kind of what their personnel is, but it's a dramatic shift. Bill Longo's not going to, you know, change his colors that much. And I think such a seismic shift is going to take time, um, you know, to take hold. And with that, I want to also add that their transfer quarterback from SMU, Tanner Mordecai, I don't think he's going to turn out to be an upper division Big Ten quarterback. You know, he threw for a lot of yards at the SMU, but he's also had double-digit interceptions in each of the last two seasons. And it's one thing, you know, to put up big numbers in the American Athletic Conference is quite another when you're going up against Big Ten-level defenses each week. So I'm going to recommend playing against Wisconsin in 2023. Badgers fade only as they switch that offense. And I always love the hype when a new coordinator comes in. Oh, yeah, we're bringing the air raid this year. Everyone's like, oh, they're going to score 40 points a game. In the first month of the season, they scored 12 points a game and are kicking field goals. You know, the red zone offense in particular, that first year in the air, in the air raid, Lots of teams can move the ball between the 20s. They get inside the 20s. They're settling for three. That kills you when you're laying points. And the Badgers, what are they laying? 34 on opening day. Let's talk Big 12 for the upcoming campaign. And, uh, you know, with all the teams switching conferences in the Big 12, does it look different this year? Or is it mostly next year that we're going to see the bigger changes? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be different. You know, the four teams are, are coming over, and uh, you have a 14-team league for, for one year with the uh, addition of, uh, you know, UCF, uh, University of Houston, uh, BYU, and um, going going blank here on the uh, – You're allowed to fourth, go blank. But Give me a uh, team. I'm allowed to go blank. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's fair enough. But uh, in any case, you know, I'm not going to look at any of the uh, the new teams as far as the uh, 
as far as the Big 12 play on and play against teams, Cincinnati Bearcats are the other team. Yeah, BYU, Cincy, Houston, UCF. Cincinnati. (laughs) So my bet on team is going to be a team that's already in the conference. And I don't like to follow the herd too often, Teddy, because, you know, I found that oftentimes that can lead you down the wrong path as a sports better. And I think a lot of armchair handicappers are going to be preaching the virtues of Texas Tech this year uh, as a dark horse contender in the Big 12 race. But I'm going to side with Texas Tech as a play on team. You know, you got second year uh, head coach Joey McGuire, who was formerly a highly, highly successful uh, high school coach uh, there in the state of Texas. His first year last year, a rousing success. The Red Raiders win eight games. Uh, they finished the season with four straight wins. Uh, they beat Ole Miss by 17 points in the bowl game. They beat Texas and Oklahoma for the first time ever in the same season. They do lose their all-star defensive end, Tyree Wilson, uh, the seventh overall pick in the NFL draft this past April. But I think if, especially if their quarterback, Tyler Schuff, who's had injury problems, if he can stay healthy, I think there could be reason for celebration on the South Plains this fall. I like Texas Tech as a bet-on team in 2023. Red Raiders bet on. Who do you want to bet against from the Big 12? Anyone stand out in that regard? going to be Oklahoma. You know, they struggled. The Sooners did mightily last year under their first year. Head coach uh, Brent Venables, uh, the school's former defensive coordinator under Bob Stoops. A lot of people are are saying they're going to be better this year. They went into the transfer portal heavily, but I'm going to believe it when I see it. Last year's defense, really the problem, you know, for for the Sooners' lack of success. You look at that defense last year, they gave up 55 and 49 points in back-to-back weeks to TCU and Texas. They allowed 41 or more points in five of their eight conference games, allowed 38 in another. They're going to be better on defense, but I'm not sure how much better. They lose both offensive tackles. One was a first-round selection. One was a third-round selection. They lose a 1,000-yard receiver in Marvin Mims, who was a second-round draft pick. I would say play against the Sooners again in 2023. So I got to ask you this because I'm going to talk about this later in the show before all said and done. I like Oklahoma week one laying 33 to Arkansas State. Would you talk me out of that bet? You know, man, in those types of games, especially with the new clock rules, when you're when you're laying 33, I'm gonna, you know, I just don't look at those games that so heavily. So <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna let you roll with that one. I definitely couldn't take those Red Wolves, so uh, I'll, I'll be rooting for you there uh, with the Sooners. I appreciate that. We've got two more conferences to get to and two minutes to do it. So we're going to have to do quick hitters for the back end of our bet on, bet against teams. Give me someone you like and someone you don't like in the Pac-12 this year. I like Utah in the Pac-12. You know, I love Kyle Whittingham. They recruit, you know, they're never real high up on the recruiting list, but they they do more with less, I like to say. They're 44-29-1 against the spread. Uh, over the last, uh, since the start of the 2017 season. So play on Utah. And Coach Prime there at Colorado, that's going to be the team that we're going to play against. Uh, I heard a quote from an executive with one of the larger offshore books within the last day or two say that they had written more tickets on Colorado over three and a half than any other uh, you know regular season win uh, total position. Too many new faces, maybe as many as 50 new players. Take Colorado. Uh, as a go-against team in 2023. 
Sure, and the Buffs, they're 21.5-point underdogs to TCU in their opener on Saturday, September 2nd. Real quick, SEC. Anyone we like, anyone we don't like. Things we can make money with, betting on or against. You know, much like the, the case with Utah, I'm going to play on Kentucky, and a lot of it's because of Mark Stoops. Again, he's one of those coaches who gets mostly three stars. He develops them, uh, and then he equips himself nicely uh, in the rugged Southeastern Conference. They're 29 and 20 against the spread the last four years overall. I like them as a play on team, a play against team. Auburn, uh, new coach Hugh Freeze, they got shaky quarterback play last year. They brought in Michigan State quarterback Peyton Thorne late in the transfer portal. He's thrown 24 interceptions over the past two seasons. I'm not a real big Peyton Thorne fan. They've still got a ways to go in the SEC. I think Auburn's a play against team in 2023. Much the way they were in 2022. Auburn, a bet against squad. This is a team that went two and six in conference play last year. Paul Stone says they're not going to be whole, <coughs> excuse me, a whole lot better in 2023. Paul, great stuff. Great info. Thank you for sharing your hard work. Where can folks find you out there on the World Wide Web? Well, first of all, you know, I try to put content out on social media. My Twitter handle, as you mentioned earlier, at Paul Stone Sports. So hope you'll consider giving me a follow. If you want to take a deeper dive, uh, please visit my website, paulstonesports.org. Again, that's paulstonesports.org. Great stuff. And, Paul, we got about 30 seconds. I gave us about a million opinions. No, you gave us about a dozen opinions. Eh, maybe two dozen. Which one stands out? What's the bet, bettable opinion that you want to highlight? Can I give you a new one, uh, a game of the year yes. that's out there? You, Utah absolutely, minus but you got 30 one over seconds. Oregon. Utah minus one over Oregon uh, the last Saturday in October. Uh, Utah's undefeated the last two seasons there at Rice-Eccles. Um, their quarterback, Cam Rising, be, he'll be fully uh, recovered from his ACL injury by then. I think so Utah's we'll a better the team than uh, Oregon. Take the Utes minus one. Utes minus one. Thank you so much, Paul. Great stuff. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And we're here in the home stretch of Cover It With Teddy Covers. The podcast version is worth downloading. Every show that we do, uh, every show that I do for Sports Grid gets, uh, uh, you listen to it here on SiriusXM channel 159. You can also get the podcast version. You can download and consume at your convenience. Check out Paul Stone's show if you missed any portion of the show today. You can check out tomorrow's show. Got a really good show uh, lined up for tomorrow with Ralph Michaels talking NFL and some of the NFL trends that you're going to see to predict which teams are going to get better or worse. Loaded show. Last week's show, Brad Powers talked college football two weeks ago. I mean, we've got big guests. I'm doing my best to bring on really solid guests every week. Download the podcast version and consume at your convenience. Wherever you download your podcast, just search Cover It. Cover It with Teddy Covers. And bing, you'll get the ding every time the new episodes get loaded on Friday nights. So I want to give you guys a bettable opinion in college football. 
And there was three games that I kind of had circled as a potential here. Because there's something that I like for week one in college football. I like to lay chalk with non-hyped big favorites. I don't want the top 10 teams. I don't want the top 25 teams necessarily. I want teams that aren't getting hyped, but they're a lot better than their opponents. These mismatch games. And certainly Oklahoma, minus 33.5 against Arkansas State. It's down. Arkansas State cratered last year. And even if Oklahoma was a bet against team, week one at home against the bottom feeder, this is a spot where they're going to run up the score. Wisconsin, minus 23 for Buffalo. I don't know if I trust the Badgers' offense in week one. I really don't. That air raid, uh, I want to read more about it so it's not a bet I'm making yet. Because if they come out all air raid, they're not going anywhere. And with no way we lay it. Uh, but if they're still going to run the football, I'd look to lay 23 with Wisconsin. BYU, minus 23 and a half at home against Sam Houston State. Making the transition D1. That's the type of bet that I look for week one. A team that can dominate in the trenches and wear down their opponent. Good info. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got something from it. We'll do it again tomorrow right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network.